The Guardian. Hello, I'm Matt Wells. This is Media Talk coming up this week. I saw independent advice at every step of the way, and Ofcom have assured me the undertakings now being made do address the concerns that they had over plurality, and after careful consideration, I've decided to accept their independent advice. Spin-off or sell-out, Jeremy Hunt gives the green light to news corporations takeover of B-Sky B after the Murdochs agreed to cede control of Sky News. Also in the podcast, ITV's back in the black after reporting pre-tax profits of a quarter of a billion pounds. Plus, Julian Assange looks to trademark his name, while Steven Spielberg snaps up the rights to the WikiLeaks movie. And... to be cast away into Radio Bliss as a decade of Death Island Discs is made available online. Hold on to your Bibles and luxury items. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. It's a packed show this week, so let's not waste any time. Uh, Steve Ackerman is Managing Director of Something Else, Digital Production House, Talent Agency and the UK's largest radio indie. Uh, hello again, Steve. Uh, you just won an award, I hear. Oh, we have. That's nice of you to mention that. W- what's that? It was uh, it was a gaming award for. So I was going to say it was a gay award. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a games award for uh, for our successful app Papa Sangre. Oh, well, there we are. Very good. Um, uh, here's also Media Guardian's former press correspondent and now former media journalist with that portfolio, Stephen Brook, because you have a job. I do, Matt. Yes, thank you. Uh, congratulations. We, you, you revealed last week that you did have a job, but you weren't able to tell us what it is. Yeah, but you are now. I, I yes. Well, actually, hours after that, it burst onto the Twitter sphere, doesn't it? But it not is. everyone's on Twitter, so. I'm going to be media editor of the Australian newspaper. Uh, we will, of course, fly you back once a month to, uh, to, ca- to carry on your uh, appearances on, on Media Talk. Well, or, or failing that, the ISDN. <laughs> that, that, that could be done. Uh, anyway, it's good to have you uh, here. Uh, we're going to discuss radio product placement and ITV a little later, but we start this week with the news that Rupert Murdoch has won his battle to gain full control of B Sky B. After the inconvenient Vince Cable was unceremoniously bumped aside, all that remained to secure the approval of Jeremy Hunt, the Culture Secretary, was for News Corporation to offer a mild sweetener in the form of spinning off Sky News into a separate company. In effect, News Corporation takes full control of B-Sky B, except for the Sky News bit, which becomes a separate company in which News retains a 39.1% stake, which is the same shareholding it had in B-Sky B. There'll now be a 15-day consultation period, uh, and Hunt won't be referring the merger to the Competition Commission. So, as we asked at the top of the show, is this deal a spin-off or a sell-out? Steve Ackerman, what's your view? I think when when you look at this, I just find this decision absolutely bizarre. Um, it just reminds me of 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 when they took over when uh, Murdoch took over the Times and set up the uh, the independent panel that was going to oversee the Times. And and obviously in hindsight, everyone can see what a what a nonsense that's been. And let's not forget that that they've always owned thirty nine percent of of B Sky B. And a, and even with a thirty nine percent shareholding, a Murdoch was a was a chairman. You know, yeah. was in charge of it. Who wasn't Rupert? Um, you know, James was. Uh, if you remember all the furore when when there was the attempt to get to get James heading heading that up, so the idea that it's going to be some separate entity that 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 lives in a completely different space from Sky, 
seems to be, I think, difficult to, to really believe. And also, I think that boils the issue down to, is it just about Sky News? And, and actually, it's not. And when you look at what The, the Guardian and, and The Telegraph and the other, and the BBC, all those newspaper players have been playing, this isn't just a news story. This is about, this is about obviously merging two major media interests yeah. and how they can play on both fronts. But the problem, Stephen Brooke, isn't, isn't the problem that, that, that the, uh, the consortium of people who, who tried to oppose this, or the, the, the coalition, um, went for the wrong thing because it's yes. not about Sky News uh, and and they've their tactics were all wrong and what they've ended up for is not what not what they've ended up with is not what they wanted. Yes, but it's what they said they. Yes, wanted. it's what they said they wanted. This is what David Aranjavis yes. said on Twitter. It's, but you know they, they, they've got what they said they wanted, but what they said they wanted was not what they wanted. And, you know, if you want to be cheeky, which I may well want to be in my new role, uh, you could say it's a perfect opportunity for The Guardian to invest in this new company, (laughs) to maintain plurality of services, get into television. And, uh, you know, if they take a shareholding, they may well be able to put the Sky News feed live on their website. So smiles all round. Look, the real issue that uh, certainly um, News International's newspaper rivals are really worried about is once Sky... Um, B Sky B is welcomed into the Murdoch fold and is an enormous cash cow. Does that mean that uh, News International, a very aggressive company, can use some of that power to bundle in newspaper subscriptions, website subscriptions behind the paywall? You know, if you can get every premiership goal on the Times website, yeah. that's probably money worth paying well, for. Well, hang on, they could have done that anyway. You know, a deal could have been done to do to do that anyway. This doesn't change that. But I think you're absolutely right, Stephen. In that, the, for, this is all about the money. It's nothing to do with the Sky News, Steve Ackerman, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's all about um, the 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 revenue, the cash that uh, that that B, that B Sky B gets, and the News Corporation wants to get its hands on on that cash flow. And the surprise is. Whatever you say about the Murdochs, there is often a lot of um, chipping away at Rupert Murdoch, and a lot of that is envy because at the end of the day, he's a fantastic businessman, and he, and he often does get his own way, and he does it because he he's politically smart and savvy. But of course, he's, of course, this is all about about cash and, and creating a cash empire. B Sky B is a hugely cash gen- generative company, and, and 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 has been for a long time now. You know. Some of the newspapers in his stable are losing money and are and are losing greater sums of money, and they're still trying to figure out with, with with the paywall and everything how they can actually make money with that side of the business. And also, I think there's a there's a content play here. Um, you know, this is this is obviously about owning content and and how you can maximise it across mm. different different platforms. I think playing to exactly what Stephen just said, not just in terms of premiership rights, but you know, um, think about um, think about Sky Empire and some of the series there. Where where are the exclusive interviews for those? Uh, you know, for those series is going to go, or, or a big new show on Sky One going to go, of course they're going to be in the sun. Sky Atlantic, you're thinking of Boardwalk yeah. Empire. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I thought that David Elstein made a good point on the radio when the um, approval was given that he said he was a bit sad because he thought that this would weaken Sky, because let's face it, Sky News is a lost leader, doesn't make money. Um, part of the elaborate mechanisms that have been put in place around this is because they can't sell it off. Beast mm. can't sell it off because who would buy it? Because it loses £20 million pounds a year. Yeah, exactly. And um, he thinks that it being outside the Beast empire could well be, um, you know, damage it. The, um, the other thing that's really interesting is that there's been there's no credible political opposition uh, to this. It ha- in the past, it's been the Lib Dems that, that, that have yeah. jumped up and down yeah. about the influence of Murnock. Now, yeah. they're, now they're in the government. The... Uh, 
Labour Party can't credibly um, make a case against this because because they were all in bed with the Murdochs as well. Yeah, and probably, you know, would have not, it's not inconceivable that if they'd still been in power, they would have done the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, the bit that I don't understand is that, um, uh, and I think where it sort of falls down, the credibility of this whole thing falls down, is that Jeremy Hunt could have referred this to the Competition Commission. Yes, it would have been protra- protracted. Yes, it would have taken six months. But it would have likely come out with a similar kind of remedy, yet it would have been done in a kind of transparent process. The trouble with this is that it looks like a stitch-up, doesn't it? Well, he, he's been very careful, though, hasn't he, to uh, – and part of his statement today has, has sort of expressed that – to, to be very open and public about his process, to show how the thinking came about, to show that Ofcom, he had further con- consultations with, with Ofcom and, and lawyers. So I think he's, he's actually covered that, that point, point off. I suppose what this really, what this potentially gets to the heart of is, is the politics behind it. And especially if he'd have gone down that route, he doesn't necessarily... You know, is there a credit factor for him in the government for having resolved this? When you think of the the sort of fudge and mess they got into over Vince Cable, yeah. Um, if he refers it on, yes, that sort of political safe hands. But is that quite as good for Jeremy Hunt? Maybe not. If if he deals with it himself and it's done and resolved and he's done it in a, in a clean, open, transparent way and there's no real comeback for anyone, well, that that probably reflects pretty well for him, doesn't it? In terms mm. of trying to look for his next ministerial post. And uh, the, there's so many aspects to this. Um, uh, it's very interesting. Well, it's ironic. That the, the Daily Telegraph, which was um, w- one of those opposing Telegraph Group opposing this deal, probably ended up making it easier by this story about um, Vince Cable, and because Vince Cable in the government was was the what uh, was the voice in the government who who was seen to be against it, and if he'd still been in his position as uh, as business secretary, or if he'd still had responsibility for competition matters as business secretary, then it'd be less likely that this deal went through. But it was because of the Daily Telegraph exposing his indiscretions about. B- B Sky B to constituents that 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 all all, all fell away. But there's, they, a, but, but there's a deeper thing about that, Matt, which which is actually the irony of this is it goes to the very heart of the sort of political agenda of the Daily Telegraph. In that, don't forget that that whole that story was part of a raft of stings on different Lib Dem ministers, no Tory ministers targeted. Mm. Obviously, w- with the express intention of of showing the Lib Dems in in a in a bad light, trying to bust up the coalition, completely backfired on the Telegraph because if they They'd have had the choice of, you know, between exposing a few Lib Dem ministers, which they can do any time over the next five years, or getting their, you know, their own way in terms of the Murdoch debate. Obviously, at this point in time, the Murdoch debate is much more important to them politically. So they've completely shot themselves in the foot. The next thing that needs to happen, of course, presuming that this 15-day consultation period ends with this deal being approved, is that News Corporation actually has to buy B, B Sky B. Now, shares in B Sky B have, have jumped, and, and we think that News Corporation wants to pay or is looking to pay as little as possible. Obviously, as you, as you said, Stephen Brooke, he's a, they're, they're, they're business people. But it looks like the independent directors of B Sky B are holding out for a bigger price. And, and, and the word Murdoch is that the independent initially- directors are looking for more, more than £9 or maybe even up yeah. to a tenner. Well, yeah. I mean, Murdoch originally offered 700p, and the share price now, this morning, actually went up on this news and was something like 820. Mm. So I think it's not unreasonable for the independent directors to be asking for 850 or 900. But one thing we do know about Murdoch is when he has his heart set on something, i.e. the Wall Street Journal, he is prepared to shell out a fortune. Well, Andrew Neil said he, was, he would sell his granny to get, uh, to, uh, to get, get his way, and, and he probably will. But he will try and do it for as 
good a deal as possible, you would have thought, Stephen. Well, of course he would. I mean, again, he's a phenomenal businessman. He he is the best. But also, this is a safer bet deal for him than some of the online deals that he's done. Mm. Yes, and, that's and, true. And the independent, well, the other shareholders on B-Sky-B are mainly sort of managed fund, legal in general, that type of thing. Hedge and funds and all sorts of things. They're they? going to be happy to sell out if they perceive the price as being right. Mm. So uh, Murdoch gets his hands on it then. What, um, what does it mean, um, uh, do you think? It means B-Sky-B and News Corporation becomes the, the by far the dominant media player in Britain. Yeah. I mean, James Murdoch, when he was appointed, um, remember they had all those plans for whopping. They wanted a News Corp campus and they wanted to bring in all the other, you know, they wanted to bring in Collins, the book publishers, 20th Century Fox, and, which have been run very disparately in Britain. And James had this vision to make it News Corp and big and noticeable. And that is certainly, it's going to be very big presence, isn't it, um, when this merger goes mm. through, as I imagine it will do. Well, I, I wonder if all those people at Sky will get to to move into a more salubrious location in the centre of London. Well, yeah, that's what they'll all be having fingers crossed for. Good time to join the company, you might say. Yeah. Great, great time to join, especially as it ch- chimes at the same time as the BBC having to make massive cuts and, and their budgets being frozen. Yeah. He's one, guys. <laughs> we'll leave that there. Thank you very much. Uh, that was a little bit fair and balanced, I think. In a Guardian sort of way, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, exactly. Yeah. In, a, in a very sort of, you know, opposite Fox News kind of well, way. Well, as, a, um, as someone who's joining the company in less than a month, I thought that was very balanced. Oh, yes. Now, this is the, yes, your new job. Is it? it's a, you've, you've taken the Murdoch shilling. The Murdoch, uh, what, what, what is it? Uh, cent, dollar, whatever it is. What, what other? Yeah, whatever disparaging anecdote you can <laughs> come up with. Now, before all that, the biggest media story in town was ITV. They've announced pre-tax profits of £286 million for 2010, thanks in no small part to a surge in TV advertising revenues. It's a big turnaround for a company that's been hit hard by the advertising slump uh, and, quite frankly, some terrible management and pretty awful programmes too over the last three years. Uh, But credit where it's due, Chairman Archie Norman and Chief Executive Adam Crozier and Controller Peter Fincham seem to be getting things right. So, uh, troubles all round in ITV Towers. Uh, Is this the content-led recovery, Steve Ackerman, that we've been promised before? Or is it just a kind of cyclic, cyclical, you know, they're just taking credit for what would have happened anyway? No, I think, I think it definitely is the start, the start of that. If you look at the past 12 months uh, in terms of what's been on the screen, they, they've had some big smash hits. And, you know, not just the obvious X factors, but obviously Downtown Abbey, I know that's the one everyone cites, but that's mm. an, a, you know, a natural show you would have expected to be on the BBC. And it's done, it's done absolutely brilliantly. Um, I think in the digital space, they're also starting to get their act together now as well and so we're going to start to see them leverage more there um, and interestingly I think I think a lot of this also I mean there's the creative side but I think it's exactly what you just alluded to which is the management side and I know that behind the scenes there's been a lot of systems and new processes going in place to just update how the whole thing is run and it hadn't been done for a long long time and obviously eventually that does make a massive impact then in terms of how you're selling how you're controlling your 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 revenues and your and your, and your cash flow and how you're maximizing the you know some of those key advertiser relationships and obviously key relationships with production companies and creative talent it does seem now Stephen brook that like the the days of itv being um dubbed the basket case of the media industry are sort of finally look as if they've they've turned that around anyway yeah completely i mean peter fincham has uh creatively reinvigorated the organization there were fewer absolute duds like in the moving wallpaper vein <laughs> launched by his predecessor I about that yeah, yeah yeah exactly it does seem another era doesn't it um sure it does have its banker programs 
which are the cash cows. But under that, there's, you know, Fincham has been quite clever creating a layer of sort of minor hits that are attractive to audience and advertisers. The only way is Essex is the guilty pleasure I often like to cite because that is, you know, targeted towards young people. And They've sorted out ITV2 now, by the way, I think. Actually. Yeah. It's a, yeah. a clear idea. In fact, the whole, the whole digital uh, channel. The whole, port, yeah. the whole yeah. portfolio has got a much better brand feel to it in terms of, you know, I think you can absolutely identify what each channel's about and which audience it's, it's going for. And you couldn't say that before. I'm not sure you could even say that for ITV1 before. No. But you definitely can say that now. And I think that, you know, there was a lot of conversation in the media sphere about, um, you know, the future is digital and um, the only way was down, really, for a, a traditional TV company of mm. ITV size. But what this past 12 months has shown us is the power of television advertising, A, for brands to get their messages across, but B, to sort of make an awful lot of money if you need to reach a mass audience and you have a new brand or an old brand and you've got to get a message out there quickly. Um, ITV is a very good way to do that. And uh, Steve Ackerman, I guess the um, the other thing is that is, is that even if there is a cyclical recovery, you have to be in the right place to take advantage of it, uh, uh, don't you? It doesn't just come back a- automatically. People want to if they're if people have money to spend and they want to spend it, they're only going to spend it in a place that is worth worth spending it in, aren't they? Yeah, I, I, and a place where they want their brand to be to be to be seen. I don't mean in terms of the numbers, but I mean in terms of the brand fit. You know, I think I think an issue for ITV previously was it did have you know a very sort of down down at hill image um and 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 for many brands it became unsexy and it's become sexy again because it's had some of those huge huge smash hits that that brands want to be associated with. Um is this uh, advertising bounce back good for the rest of the media generally um uh, do you think do, does it indicate that the recovery is finally here what about radio newspapers and the rest of it um i i don't think it necessarily is actually because i think there's there are different issues attached to to radio and newspapers um both of which um i'm not sure can potentially recover in the in the same way um you know i don't think radio potentially may ever get to the levels it was once at newspapers cer- certainly won't you know we can see that 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 trend going on now um money is going online and not all of that is necessarily going to come back to traditional media i think the point with itv is exactly the point Stephen made which is if you want to hit a big audience really quickly it can still do that for you and there's not men- many other places that can do that particularly radio and newspapers Okay, thank you for that. Uh, onwards and upwards. Uh, it's time to take a peek at the uh, the rest of the media news uh, from the past seven days and kind of related to what we've just been discussing. A uh, new era in advertising has been ushered in uh, to British television. Product placement has arrived. Um, Brookie, you're, you're, you're a fan. I was listening to you on Five Live this week. You're a, you're a fan of this. Yes, I think that... Um, <clears throat> You know, this was actually born out of the recession when uh, all these commercial companies put a lot of pressure on the government saying we need a new revenue stream. I, I, I'm slightly amused by all the assurances that everyone's put around saying we're going to do it very responsibly and you're not going to sort of notice and et cetera. And, you know, they're all in it to make an extra quid. And in one sense, it is new for Britain, but in another sense, we've had it for decades because it's always been in films. I remember writing a story about James Bond's die another day and how crammed full that was of commercial endorsement, so much so that it became known as buy another day. Mm. Uh, so I think that, um, you know, there's lots of scope for it. We can see if Richard Desmond gets Big Brother on Channel 5, there may well be Domino pizzas being delivered to the house. There's competition prizes. Uh, I think that the public is kind of wise 
to these kind of commercial messages purely because there's so much American drama that's full of the stuff that we get on these so, shores. So the, fir- the, the first product to be placed yes. was, a, uh, was a coffee maker on this morning. Yes. But Lincoln, to, you missed it. I had to watch the clip over and over before I, tried, I saw it. What's the point of this? Well, it's there for three months, isn't it? So we don't know whether they're going to be whipping up a cappuccino to go with their morning sort of pear tartlet that um, yes. is made by whichever celebrity chef happens to be on it at the moment. I think it's all about experimenting. I think that, you know, it's Nestle, isn't it, that, or Nescafe that uh, owns this coffee maker. <laughs> they paid a hundred grand, I think. For it to be they haven't paid a, if they paid us some money, we might have got the name exactly. right. Exactly. They're getting, getting enough mentions now, aren't they? <laughs> um, but I think, you, well, I mean, that, that might be the... Take off your Domino's coat now as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because that, that, uh, you say that in jest, but, you know, if I was a clothing chain, then I would want to, I would want to, I would want <laughs> Amanda Holden, right. Britain's got talent to be covered head to foot in my logos over the next three months whilst she's judging and the latest news is that brookie isn't going to australia he's now taking on a consultancy role with advertising agencies <laughs> okay uh now speaking of uh, product placement the guardian's old chum julian assange uh, may be looking to get in on the act uh, he said about trademarking his name uh, it's assange tm yeah. um so delusions of grandeur do we think w- w- will we all be smelling eau de assange ladies will find it irresistible uh using <laughs> wiki-licking condoms and <laughs> allegedly and uh, for the jewish market there's also the uh, tasteful range of skull caps uh did <laughs> did i really say all that i think i did didn't i um uh, uh yes anyway uh seriously why is uh assange doing this do you think uh, brookie why why the trademark i think that um who knows how that mind works the fact that there's going to be a hollywood movie well yes movie now, leaks now, or wiki leaks movie leaks this is movie. this is dreamworks has uh, has has bought the rights um and there's some dispute over it's, it's been billed as steven spielberg's doing it but i think i don't think he is actually to be quite honest but um uh, however yeah, they dreamworks have bought the rights to the guardian's inside uh, wiki leaks book um well you haven't had a movie featuring the guardian since the born uh, the ultimatum, the ultimatum, wasn't it? i was and thinking Tell you all the people in that film who apparently worked for the Guardian were a lot sexier than the real life equivalents. But, but weren't they? Were. I, was, I, I was thinking Natalie Portman to play Janine Gibson, perhaps. Oh right, I was thinking Tina Fey. <laughs> Tina Fey, yes, that's right. Uh, uh, um, Rupert Penry Jones for Luke Harding, who's our dashing blonde Moscow correspondent. Oh, um, oh, very good idea. I thought I was casting um, Alan Rusbridger. I thought of. Um, Gary Oldman, maybe, or Alan Rickman? <laughs> Alan Rickman. Stephen uh, Merchant, a taller version, I know, but Steve, Stephen Merchant, maybe? I think he's maybe too young, Stephen Merchant. Well, you know, <laughs> makeup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, Meryl Streep for Emily Bell. <laughs> That's very good. Emily, Emily left by the, by, by, by the time all this happened. Oh, but she'd be on the phone advising them from... She never from the Toe Institute. For, yes, that's right. Who I would play you, though, Matt? I don't know. Oh, I know. Um... Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's terrible. That's a terrible idea. Right, I think that's quite enough of that. Let's uh, let's do a quick uh, diversion via uh, backfire via politics. And uh, David David Cameron's got got a new press man, Craig uh, Oliver, former editor of the Ten O'clock News, uh, started work this week. Um, I think he was the Ten O'clock News. He was at least on. He was a BBC newsman anyway, wasn't he? Um, now, have we all seen the picture? Very, very metrosexual. iPad, massive, massive headphones, enormous headphones, uh, trendy, trendy scarf and cycling he- helmet. Was, he, he looked a little bit was like... Was he try, trying too hard? Well, he, yeah, he looked, a, he looked a little bit like 
like the sort of bloke who goes to Hoxton Square to be seen there rather than actually live, lives or works there. He's sort of definitely trying a little bit too hard. Um, and, and the Daily Mail, uh, you know, uh, took the rise out of him, didn't they? Well, you've got to understand, um, as has been explained to me, it might have been in The Spectator or uh, James Forsyth's um, Mail on Sunday column, the whole uh, uniform of Conservative Party MPs and workers and w- what you wear and how that determines whether you're a sort of old-fashioned one-nation Tory or part of the new Cameron breed. So the older right-wing Conservative MPs are always suit and tie, uh, whereas Cameron is quite often tireless which they kind of, you know, disapprove of. And clearly Craig Oliver is in that very modern, trendy, progressive camp, which the backbenchers won't like. No, certainly not. Uh, OK, thank you very much for all of that. Uh, now, shall we, shall we end with a bit of radio? I think that would be nice. Um, uh, whilst the producers at uh, Five Live and LBC will be saddened by your return to uh, Australia, Brookie, <laughs> where, where will they get their media analysis from now? There's much more positive uh, news to uh, emerge from the radio industry this week. Uh, Bob Shannon has announced that Adam and Joe will be returning to their Saturday morning slot on Six Music next month after more than a year away. Uh, and if that's got the teenagers excited, don't worry. There's uh, good news for the Comfy Shoe Brigade too. From uh, April, um, around 500 episodes of Desert Island Discs will be made available online. And a series of updated hour-long episodes from the archive will be broadcast for the launch of the new digital station Radio 4 Extra. That's the uh, rebranded Radio 7 to you and me. Uh, more on that in a minute. But first, uh, Steve Ackerman, a quick word about Adam and Joe. That's, we're, you know, we're, we're all fans of Adam and Joe. Fantastic. Uh, radio needs top talent. They, uh, If you have not sampled their programme, it, it's a bit like The Wire. You've got to hear it four or five weeks on the trot to really get it. Um, but they are fantastic talents and they really get where radio and online meet. The way they use the online community to feed, to feed into the show is, is brilliant. So I think it's a great move. What? Wasn't that one where they're running gags? Yes, if I did. Which I only came across because people started shouting it out to me in the office and I had to feign <laughs> um, ignorance. Uh, I, was, yeah, yeah, um, I was thinking of something else at the time. Um, it was a very... It is a very different six music that they're coming back to, Steve Ackerman, isn't it? It's very difficult man, running a podcast with two Steves. It's just, it isn't, it's you should be used to it now. I think we've done it a few, a few times before, haven't we? Um, the, it is a very different six music that they're coming back to. Uh, isn't it with all the, the you know the, the, they were going to axe it and now they brought it back and now they've actually reinvigorated it. It's a better defined six music. Six music actually has a better sense of of what it is now than I think when they were there a, a year ago. And particularly on the weekends, there's a very uh, definitive feel to in terms of that slot and what it's there to to achieve. So you know, I think I think they're actually going back to a more confident station and one one that's sounding really good at the moment. Uh, and they're up against Graham Norton now, rather than Jonathan Ross on Radio Two. So diff- the competition's different as well. I mean, how will they fare up against him? Yeah, Gra- you know, Graham Norton's there, and I think I think the other sort of key uh, personality show, if you like, is Danny Baker on Radio Five, mm. and obviously he's he's off at the moment. So actually, they I think they've got a pretty good space they can try and occupy. I don't think they're in competition with Graham Norton actually. No. I think it's a very very different. Uh, audience, and I think especially what they bring for, for for six music is the listen again audience. Right on, uh, 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 because because people like like the music. It's not necessarily about the the Saturday morning. It's about them. So listening. It performs to, yeah. very well, yeah. In terms of, in terms of the podcast and and on the iPlayer in terms of listen again. 
Uh, I can listen to it in Australia. You can. Talking about um, podcasts and all the rest of it, um, that brings us on to this Desert Island Discs story, which has come about, hasn't it, because the family of Roy Plumley have settled their uh, their dispute with the BBC. There's been a real battle to get the shows onto the iPlayer and, and, and the, onto a podcast. It's a great movie that's happening because obviously the shows are terrific. But but um, but the thing that infuriates me about Desert Island Discs, I mean, I, I predominantly listen to it through, through the podcast, and it's yet again another example of the music industry completely shooting themselves in the foot. I don't know whether this is going to happen for the archived shows because uh, presumably those you'll be hearing through the iPlayer rather than be able to put them onto your um, iPod. Yeah. Um, but if it's the same scenario with the podcast, they shorten the music to th- 30 seconds. Because it's often quite short anyway. Well, on, on, Absolutely. On the programme, they, Absolutely. they play the full thing. But you think, you know, hang on, you've got a show here that's reaching millions and millions of people. Here's a chance to showcase your tune. And why don't the music industry allow the full tune to be played? Absurd. Because it might stop someone buying the song. It what might actually a make nonsense. The song. Yeah, and, what a nonsense. And also, the, the, the tracks are generally, generally older tracks anyway that you might have forgotten about. And you might think, exactly. oh, the long I, tail. I, I'm literally about to start banging my head on the table because we're in 2011 and the music industry are still, 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 wet, you know, trying to play catch up on this and and so far behind the curve. It's unbelievable. Anyway, I know we're supposed to be talking about Desert Island. Disney no, 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 the no, but, industry, no, but this but is good. <laughs> I actually think what 500 shows. I hope they just dribble them out because I think that is. You know, and this is going to be such an issue when the BBC Archive project gets up and running more. There's so much content out there that navigating it is going to be a real issue. And just confronted with that incredible choice, 500 hours and 500 you know different people to listen to. But but at least but at least there's an obvious place to go to find it. Obviously on mm. on the BBC website because when I think of programs like the Essential Mix on Radio One, for many many years there's been amateur websites that have all of the shows archived and obviously um you know that's away from the bbc's remit and there's no artist getting getting anything for that and so in that sense even if they bring it out all in one go i think you know it's it's a really great positive and obviously what what you want to see is this happening to lots of the other heritage shows as well yeah okay uh, uh thank you very much oh we should quickly have a quick word about um uh, generally about radio 4 extra G- um good good move do you think yes Steve? yeah Good. Was that uh, quick enough? Yeah, that was quick enough. Good. Thank you very much. Uh, probably a good op- opportunity for the likes of you at something else with all the youth-focused things that you'll be able to pick up Maybe. On there. I right. just think, well, that's slightly quicker. Or do we need to be? No, that's no, fine. You I can, was just going to say, in one quick. move, you now know what that station does. Yeah. And it's going to do what it says on the yeah. tin, whereas... Yeah. BBC Seven just took far What's too much explaining. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is Tim Davy, the marketing man. Yeah, certainly is. Uh, okay, thank you very much. Uh, we are officially out of time, uh, but before we go, uh, Brookie, Steve, uh, do you want to leave us with a parting gift? Uh, what have you learnt this week in your media travels? Well, I, actually, I've got two little gems things for you. No, 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 they're not <laughs> gems. Um, you know, new job, obviously. Uh, yes, ne- thank you. Negotiations, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. That's, so I've been in that- that's the third time in, in one podcast. I know, we've, we've mentioned this. Uh, All right, shall I, I intro I, that slightly differently? I, I, hope, I hope you've got a good deal. <laughs> well, I was, uh, I was pondering about the deal, and then I've been hanging out with Bronwyn Maddox a bit, you know, the new editor of Prospect, who uh, had an unusual route into journalism because she used to be uh, work for a bank okay. before she became a journalist, and she was sort of talking about the leap. And I was sort of saying... You know, she joined the FT from this merchant bank that she worked for, and I sort of thought, you know, that can't have been a comparable deal. 80% pay cut (gasps) to get into journalism. She she was was committed or or, or, or married to a millionaire. No, that's the price you pay for doing something you love. Right. Well, a new newfound respect for for Bromham Maddox. Uh, Oh, and uh, my other little breaking. Well, watch end of the month, uh, 
about an organisation which doesn't get a lot of airplay on media talk, but the ABC, you know, Audit Bureau of Circulation. Oh, I thought you meant the Australian Broadcasting Company. <laughs> See, now you've got it on the brain. Um, big changes of thought, watch this space. Okay, thank you. Uh, I uh, went to the uh, uh, BBC White City this week, and oh, yes. outside the building there were two Bentleys, three Lexus, one Rolls Royce. No. Yes, absolutely, right outside the building. Number plate on one of the Bentleys, AMS1. AMS. Now, come uh, on, surely you watch I'm The Apprentice. Sugar. Surely you right. watch The Apprentice. I was just, just going to say, I thought, <laughs> you know, I, I knew that Mark Thompson's salary was, was high, but no, that was that high. Uh, no, okay. I think he was doing Desert Island Discs, wasn't he? Alan Sugar was, yes. I think you think you might be right. No, I just completely made that up. It was a joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, fe- I feigned knowledge. I do that all the time. Anyway, thank you very much to both of you. Uh, head to our blog uh, to find uh, Twitter de- details for Stephen Brook and Steve Ackerman. Why, why, why don't you give us, give us your... It's SD Brook, isn't it? You are SD Brook, yeah. What, what are you on Twitter? Stephen do, Ackerman. Do I follow you? I'm not sure I do. I, I, I have no idea. I'll have to check amongst my many followers <laughs> if you're there. Followers. Uh, I embarrassingly uh, didn't follow one of my quite closest colleagues uh, at work the other day, and, and he pointedly mentioned it to me. I felt a bit embarrassed. Okay, he- uh, head to the blog to find uh, details of everything we've uh, mentioned this week, guardian.co.uk slash mediatalk. Uh, mediatalk is produced by Ben Green. I'm Matt Wells. See you next time. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.